Hi everyone, my name is Jordi Mueller and uh, we are in the Empower Women Series event of May. Uh, we are lucky and I would say not just lucky, we're honored to have Danielle again. Danielle was our guest in January for what we call the Mindfulness uh, event of Empower Women Series and she got amazing reviews and we were really happy that she accepted to have a second event with us. And today was a topic that is controversial, it's emotional, uh, a lot of people avoid for many reasons and um, we thought this this would be a great topic for the whole series and we're going to talk about food and how what you eat matters to your happiness, to your life, to how you act, how you feel. And uh, yeah, so yeah, so thank you for spending some time with us. Thank you. Um, I would like to start today's conversation with the, I would say the most obvious question that we, I hear specifically when talking to friends, when talking to people I, I care about, about food, which is, it is hard to make decisions of what you eat. So how did you start analyzing what you eat? How did you start thinking about what you're putting into your body? Is it just looking at the labels or things? Is it just running a blood test and see what you're allergic to? Where's the right path to start this conversation about food? I think the first step is realizing that our heads are attached to our bodies. Uh, one thing we talked about when we all sat together this afternoon was about how in today's society we're operating as two separate entities, the head and the body, and stopping to say, what is my body saying? What is my body saying? And we just don't often listen because there are things that are louder, like the vibrating of our phone or the shouting of our child or the alarm going off on our phone or the meeting reminder. And we run from these things from, you know, commitment to commitment and obligation to obligation. And in the midst of it, there's one little voice that we forget to stop listening to. And it's the voice we probably heard as children, but through a variety of reasons, whether we grew up in families where we were not listened to, or maybe you were so listened to that it never occurred to you that you had to listen to yourself. You know, it's, it's a different series of circumstances for everybody. But the first step is realizing mind and body are attached. And is your mind listening to your body when you're eating something and you're finishing a meal and you're not feeling so great? Is it because you stop and you say, oh, I was out last night until two o'clock in the morning and that meal just put me over the edge. That meal made me that meal incited the fact that I did not get enough sleep. Okay, maybe. But what was the meal? What did you have? It could have been a meal that really rejuvenated you and compensated for the fact that you were sleep deprived, or it could be a meal that takes you under the desk for a nap, right? Yeah, yeah. what did you know about the meal itself? Yeah, um, uh, f food and uh, consume, consuming certain products was probably one of the biggest changes I have done in my life. It was a drastic change. Uh, I never thought I was going to be able to change drastically my eating habits, what I like and what I don't like to eat. And hey, don't take me wrong. I, all, full disclosure, I'm from a Mexican, Spanish family, meat, uh, fried stuff. It's, it's all over all our cuisine. And I enjoy it. I miss it. I love the taste. If I could eat it once in a while, I would do it. Um, but 
it was the moment when I started listening to my body of how I felt, what made me be tired, what made me be sometimes like borderline depressed. And it's like, is it maybe what I'm consuming? Is it maybe what I'm eating? And uh, very fast, the answer was yes. It's like, yes, your context, your surroundings are part of it, but what you eat has a huge impact in how you feel energized or lack of energy. And um, so, so I understand how important food uh, is for how you interact with other people and what, what you are able to do during a day or a week or a month. Um, so I want to talk about one specific ingredient that I took first of my life. And maybe you, I, I heard that you talk a lot, a lot about it today. Um, and this is sugar. Uh, sugar is part of our society and our culture in pretty much everywhere. Um, yeah, I want to hear just what's your perspective of sugar? Not about sugar, but what do you think of sugar when, yeah, what first comes to mind? So, and I want to make sure that I've got this right historically, but <laughs> somewhere I heard this really wonderful an- anecdote in, um, in a talk that I went to that basically talked about, I, I think it was in the 1500s, they would get together for parties in Europe and sugar was not grown there. So it had to be imported from far away and obviously travel was not the easiest thing. People would throw parties and bring back a small bag of sugar. And when the meal was over and they'd had their fruit, which was typically the dessert, and they didn't have high access to a lot of it to make torts and cakes and tarts, they would pass around either at the end of the meal or just before they all went dancing, this little bowl of sugar where everyone would dump a teaspoon in their mouth. And it would produce a drug-like effect that would get everybody excited to go dance. I love this story because doesn't it say everything that you need to know? It does. It does. It was hard to come by. It was used as a stimulant. This small amount was the thing that people took to get them in sort of a mind-altered mood to go and dance and lose some inhibition. It also revved up their energy so that they could go and get the energy out. And then probably that teaspoon of sugar ran out, right, within an hour or two after they did their... Dancing. Right, and then that was that. But when you think about how that's kind of one of the ways that it came into the Western world... Obviously, as Westerners, we all say more, more, more. We want more of all the good stuff. So eventually it became a huge commodity that people traded and then they learned how to make the pastries and everything else. And that was fine. But as you and I discussed earlier, a lot of it was about the preparation. Getting the ingredients was the art and putting the leaven to it and the slow preparation and the fact that ovens were not inherent to all families, that you could produce something like a cake was such a huge celebration. We have, um, so my family spends some time in Ethiopia quite frequently and um, my brother-in-law does a lot of work over there. So they went over, my in-laws went over with him several years ago to meet everybody because he'd been going for so many years. And when they asked, what can we bring? What would you like? They said, we would like cake. Nobody really has a traditional oven where they are. And therefore they do not make cakes. 
So they bought an oven, a small oven, and had it shipped over to Addis in Ethiopia. People came from hundreds of miles all around to come see the oven and see the, the cake bake in the oven that my mother-in-law made and taught them all how to make a cake. So, and this is also their culture is generally fit. Sugar is there, but it's not a huge part of their society. And, you know, it's changing as they too are becoming westernized. Addis has changed enormously over the last several years. But that's just another example to say that we have access to so much of it here. And because we have the access, there's this enormous confusion between the access and we forget that we also have a decision between there's the access and then there's the consumption. And right in between the access and the consumption is the decision. We forget that we have the decision because it's just placed before us. And the cake representative of a celebration is really more representative of traditions passed down where it was hard to come by these ingredients. And it was so hard that we made a cake for 50 people and everyone had a little piece. We forget what it was supposed to represent or that little teaspoon before we went dancing for a couple of hours. Yeah, there is, uh, uh, I mean, of course we can talk about documentaries and movies and all kinds of stuff made about sugar. I mean, Fed Up is probably the latest one, the last couple of years, which talks about the sugar lobbying industry, how they included it in our culture. And uh, which that was eye opening for me to know that they lobby. So the percentage of the daily consumption that a person is supposed to have is actually not labeled in Isn't the, that, in yeah, the right. products. It's the only product right. in the United so States. What, what you're saying yeah. is for, for the people listening, is that if you look at a nutrition label, it says fat and maybe it has three grams. And then to the right of it, on the right margin, it says 20%, which means that if you eat one serving of these chips, that's 20% of the amount of fat that you need per day and calories. And then on the right, it says 40, and it's yeah. 40%. But if you go down, so it's got fat, calories, carbohydrates, fiber, whatever, and a percentage to the right of it. And what Jordy's saying is that in this particular documentary, if you look on the back of a label, when they have the sugars, there is no percentage to the right of it. So that's a lobbying, that's an, a result of the sugar lobbyists to have the FDA remove that percentage altogether because the truth is, is that almost 95% of products would probably exceed the amount of sugar that we need in one serving. Yeah, that was fascinating for me. And it, it all come from the World Health Organization study. I'm trying to remember the specific study, which I'll put on the notes of this uh, episode. Uh, but yes, it was like uh, the average American uh, consumes the 22 grams a, that they're supposed to consume in a day within the, with 9 a.m. in the morning. So that was fascinating for me to know. Uh, so yes, that, that was interesting. Now, there, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go I was ahead. just going to say there's, there's sugars in things that we don't realize. Like there's sugars in cheese. So... You look at our dairy consumption. Um, there's another great documentary called Forks Over Knives Oof, that's available yeah. on Netflix, and we talked about it this afternoon during the meeting. They talk about dairy consumption. The dairy consumption that we have now in one day is more than what the FDA recommended in a week. So sugar through the lactose is also another kind of hidden 
way that we're taking it in that might trigger a craving for a larger sugar. And there's so much information to talk about food. I um, This is one of the things that once you start, I don't know, adventuring in the space of researching what you're eating, you are kind of like almost, you can get like paranoid about what you're eating because everything has a purpose for being in front of you in the grocery store, in the, in the market. And, and if you don't know what you are consuming, you are consuming what they want you to consume. And by they, I mean really big companies that that's what they do. So I want you to, if you could just differentiate between, because uh, we've been trashing basically sugar right now, processed sugar and natural sugar. And I see a big difference in that. I don't know if you see a big difference in that. Uh, well, there's a big difference. So if we're talking, it depends on what kind of natural sugar we're talking about. If we're talking about getting our natural sugar from an, an apple or a piece of fruit versus a natural sugar from dates or dried fruit or from date sugar or coconut sugar, it's all about the concentration, right? So a dried fruit, if you've seen a hydrated fruit, right? It'll take you a few minutes to eat a whole mango and that's a pretty good amount of sugar versus a dried mango will take you two seconds to eat a dried out version is maybe the equivalent of a quarter of a mango. So I apologize for all the guests that we serve dry mango today at the event. <laughs> no, it's still delicious and everybody was probably looking to have their sugar craving satisfied. That was a better alternative than cookies, okay, right? Um, but okay. so, so... So it's a concentration. So it's about the concentration and... Um, sugar is sugar is sugar. Table white sugar that's been bleached and processed excessively is definitely insulin's worst enemy and your body's worst enemy. And if you're having a date, it's a better it's a better version. If you're about to go for a run and you need a boost of energy and you had a couple of almonds and a couple of dates, that would get you through your run and you'd be super or you could even take a long run with that. If you chucked a spoonful of sugar in your mouth, it would probably give you a burst of energy and then you would fall soon. So you you can see how the body metabolizes and processes differently that way. Hmm. I got a I got a piece of advice regarding sugar once, which I still carry today, and this was probably three, four years ago, which was think about sugar coming into your body with or without fiber. And when it comes with fiber, like a, if you eat a piece of watermelon, it's completely different than the juice of watermelon. And the sugar is the same, but the body processes That's the right. fiber differently and it doesn't produce insulin. That's why they say don't buy juice, eat the fruit. Exactly. Yeah, same so, insulin effect. So that's what I think I don't drink juices now, which it's uh, I do not want to get into that because we're not in that business. <laughs> um, okay, so let's move the conversation to what I guess the educational part and maybe little tips that we can give people on how to start aligning your brain and your gut which uh, from what I heard, that's what a lot of people are talking about after the event, how to align your brain and your gut. So there's a gut-brain connection. You actually have a nerve that goes from your belly to your brain. And oh, I knew it. Most, oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> they're, they're so, they, call it the, they call the gut the second brain now. That's what, that's what Eastern medicine is really focused around. And functional medicine, if you've heard that term, is basically a Western-trained doctor who focuses on the gut first as kind of the the core the core solution to whatever the adjunct problems are so um knowing for example if you've had 
a lot of antibiotics in your life or you have antibiotics. One of the things that I shared with people when we met was for every round of antibiotics, you want about six months of probiotics. If you've had excessive antibiotics, there's some other amino acids that you can take, such as glutamine. Glutamine repairs the lining of the gut walls, and antibiotics break down the lining of the gut walls. Why do we want strong gut walls? When they're loose, the food and the nutrients actually pass through them, and your body doesn't absorb any of the vitamins from the food that you just took or the nutrients at all. So you're basically taking in the food, processing the fat and the calories with no nutritional backing whatsoever. Um, so you want a strong gut wall and glutamine will do that for you. Um, you don't want to take it every day for the rest of your life, but sometimes like four to six months of glutamine and then four to six months off, depending how your gut goes and probiotics. This is one way to strengthen the gut and that they're finding more and more now. You can easily Google the connection between depression and a weak gut. And what does it mean to have a weak gut? So we have bacteria inside of our gut, and we're always looking for the balance, these little bugs that live in there. And the balance can be thrown off. When you have antibiotics, it kills the bad bacteria, but it kills the good as well. So when the good is gone, we need to bring the good back up. Um, other ways to bring it up, fermented foods. We talked about um, things like kombucha, kimchi, miso, sauerkraut. These are all different cultures, iterations of the fermented the fermented items that sort of restore balance. And, you know, even with that, so some people can't have the fermented foods because it causes them gas or they have something called FODMAP. Um, they have a sensitivity to certain sugars because there are certain sugars and not the same as table sugar. It's just a sugar, um, a body that a food might produce through the fermentation process. And then some people are very sensitive to that. So you might go out and stock up your shelves on kombucha and sauerkraut and then you're bloated and you're wondering why and you may have overdone it. Some people just need a little bit. Some people need a lot. I think what you are uh, very important as solid, like very subtly referring to is that you also kind of have to try your body. You have to, to keep listening to your body, your listen mind, to body. it all the time. That's right. It changes over time as well. You can ask yourself at every meal at multiple parts during the day, what is my body saying? What is my body saying? Yeah. And you can sometimes listen and sometimes not. And sometimes you say, quiet, I'm at a party. I'm going to have a good time. <laughs> I'm not interested in you. Screw my gut. Right. Right. <laughs> but just learning how to listen is kind of a process that's unique. Did you, did you talk uh, at all today about the consumption of alcohol in your body? You know what? That was on our list and we didn't get to it. Um, so alcohol is another example of sugar. Alcohol is a fermented substance and it creates its own sugars as well. What it also does is obviously it alters our brain a little bit too. So sometimes drinking alcohol, like if you're ever doing a cleanse or you're trying to just sort of wash yourself of some habits, they say not to have alcohol partially because of the sugars in it, but also because the inhibitions are lowered, you might tend towards making bad food decisions once you've had a couple of drinks. And I've experimented with this personally, I can attest. Like, <laughs> even okay. if I have a glass of wine, <laughs> you eat worse. I will, uh, at the end of the meal, I'm very, I'm like, oh, 
laissez-faire, whatever. Well, you just have a what's a, what's one cookie, I, and it's fine. By the way, I can see your French totally because you raise your hand. I mean, you cannot you cannot see it and you cannot hear it, I guess. But she raised her hand like, "Hey, guys, let's have a party." That's very French. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot, yeah. So, um, so basically, having having look, some people really want to have a drink and it takes the edge off for them at the end yeah. of the day. And there's, you know, nothing that we're talking about here and nothing that you're going to read or find should ever be considered a steadfast rule unless it's a rule that you've chosen to make part of your personal constitution. And when I say personal constitution, that's not a rule. It's like a, it's a guidepost. It's something that's honoring yourself. So when you're learning how to listen to your body and you're you're really truly asking what it's saying and you're really truly listening to the answer maybe you say i'm not having any sugar because it, it makes it makes me sad the next day or i'm not having any sugar because i eat more of it and then i feel bad about myself So this is how I'm honoring, you know, it's, it, and it's not an easy question. It's not, for some people, it's easy. People are like, yeah, no sugar, no problem. For most of us, that is not the case. And if you're part of the most of us in this, then give yourself permission to do and try anything you want with kindness. And if it doesn't work for you, then you say, okay, so something else next time. Yeah. Not that. Just try something differently. Try something different. Be aware, at least, of your decisions. I think that I think that's why you're referring. In my head, when I hear to have your own constitution, is that be aware when you're away from your constitution. You know that you are aware away from your right like every values. good constitution there's amendments uh, yeah. right you okay, can well. <laughs> you put in your amendments yeah. but when at parties on yeah. on millennial or on uh, large birthdays yeah exactly i will oh, it's like well, i'll start on monday is like, oh, yeah. like your constitution says mondays are the starting day exactly, exactly. <laughs> awesome so um uh, i have to ask this question i cannot believe we've already been 30 minutes <laughs> um Which one is your favorite restaurant in town? Oh. Or a couple, if you don't, if I don't want to. Right. That's a great question. I really love Life Alive in Cambridge. Yay. Um, which is where we had our lunch from today. Thank yeah. you, Jordy. You're, you're um, I like Whole Heart Provisions. There's one in Cambridge and there's one in Austin. Um, I don't love it as much, but I do like it. And, you know, I really like legal seafoods. And the reason I like legal seafoods is because everything that they buy is sourced responsibly. They're really allergy conscious. And on that same note, Burton's Grill in Burlington, same thing. They're really responsible about where they source their foods from. Their meat is grass-fed. Their fish is wild-caught for the most part. Um, I mean, I don't know what they buy on a daily basis. They're, they have a nice selection of vegetables. They are super allergy-conscious. If you don't want dairy, they'll even make you fish and chips that has soda, soda water in the batter instead of buttermilk in the batter. So that's another go-to as wow. well. So there's some uh, hippie versions in there and some <laughs> mainstream options. Hey, I'm not a hippie, I think. Uh, but, well, it doesn't matter. Are any of I us like anymore? It. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I, we did not talk about uh, vegetarian versus vegan versus meat eaters. Uh, I'll let everybody listen and figure out that on their own where we are falling into here. Um, but thank you so much for your time. And what we're going to do is, uh, different than the first time you were here, we're going to put your contact information directly on the episode link because I think people want to reach out to you. So they don't have to dig in that much. We'll put it right there. Okay. So thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you guys so much. Until next time. Yes, indeed.